I'm Matthew McCabe. Welcome to Miracle Voices. Each episode, we will be delving into stories of forgiveness, healing, and transformation that have come about from integrating the principles of the book, A Course in Miracles. If you want to learn more about A Course in Miracles, visit www.acim.org. If you'd like to visit the Miracle Voices site, please go to www.miraclevoices.org. If you feel inspired to make a love offering, please visit us at miraclevoices.org forward slash donate. All donations go support the work of the Foundation for Inner Peace, the publisher of A Course in Miracles. Now here's your program. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of Miracle Voices. This is your co-host, Matt McCabe. I'm here with my co-host, Tam Morgan. Tam, how are you doing today? Today, I am in love. Oh, good. How are you doing, Matt? I'm doing really well. Yay. And our guest today is Bruce Rawls. Bruce, welcome to Miracle Voices. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. I really appreciate it and and looking forward to this very much. Yeah, I think I should I think I should confess to the entire podcast audience that Bruce has been known to be my web husband. We, we certainly were wedded to the project for, we were, for a few years, we, weren't we? We <laughs> wedded to a website that was very, very much um, a tribute to my mother and her love of our website, of of the style in which we made the website, which was rather controversial because it was, <laughs> excuse me, it wasn't clean cut, update, normal looking website. Um, and we worked for years and she was thrilled. So Thank you for that. Exactly. I thought you were going to say that uh, that you and Bruce are prone to like break out into song. That's what it sounded like you were holding <laughs> up to. And Bruce and I. <laughs> well, we are. We're going to do a rendition it's of My Little Buttercup. Uh, it's a song, although although you know. singing together on the web, it, it tends to be problematic because of the delay, oh, right? Yeah. That's true. But it is a song you know. It's called The Song of Prayer. Ah, oh, I like that one. Yes, yes. Yeah. And The Forgotten Song. Yeah. Yes. Another of the courses top top ten top thousand top gazillion <laughs> yeah songs right. yeah. Well, 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 well since you since great. you mentioned your mom I was thinking I I was reviewing um, the last conversation we had and I realized it was actually Matt and Judy and myself that had the last conversation I was thinking it was the three of us no it was actually oh, was Judy too. yes it was Judy. and then and then, well, I, then, and then I have I, not had the actual joy of getting to do this with you Bruce. Well, I'm I'm thrilled and and honored and and I was thinking about um a, a line that that Judy shared um I think I don't think it was in the podcast we did but in one of the ones around that same time frame that has really stuck with me and I think it's just such a wonderful phrase and she was talking about uh meeting an acquaintance who is an Olympic athlete and and the phrase she used was that the course is like Olympic level mind training. Oh, and yeah. that's really stuck with me. I really like that a lot because it seems like that's, you know, when we start, um, you know, practicing the course and, and you know, beginning to realize that the only way we're really going to be uh, truly happy is to, to make it an integral part of everything, not just a, an, a, a hobbyist level practitioner, <laughs> if you will, um, is to just, you know, ask more and more and more consistently and frequently 
for help from that inner kindness teacher from from Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And I I will say that, you know, my mother is the one who coined our meditation group as the slow learners group. (laughs) At age 90, she was still at it. And so, you know, we we also called it, um, and, and this is no disrespect in any way intended, but the pure love for learning things um, in, in a more slower pace, which I think is good. It was this a Special Olympics mind training. <laughs> I like that. I like that. And I'm glad you mentioned slowness because that was one of the things I was thinking that would be helpful because I've been getting reminders because I tend to, you know, do things a mile a minute a lot and to just slow things yeah. down. It's just such a great reminder. And it's the, the old go slow to go fast thing, which I think kind of ties into the course's uh, you know, reminder that if, when we try to gauge things based on our own judgments and perceptions, we get hopelessly confused, and and we have such an incredibly uh, minuscule um, amount of information with which to make judgments. And I love how in section ten of the manual it says, you know, if we were, uh, I'll paraphrase because I don't, I'm not looking at it at the moment, but uh, you know, if we were to, um, if we need to, to understand anything, we'd have to become aware of an infinitely you know, large uh, variety of things, past, present, and to come, and who, except in their grandiose fantasies, is in a position to do that? Well, no one, none of us, right? Yeah. <laughs> We're all basically clueless as a first approximation. So. Although so, plenty so, of so, grandiose so, fantasies going on, no problem. Well, there. yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we call it space time, right? <laughs> well, you know, it's, you know, slow lunars group, I don't know if, like, that feels accurate sometimes. Like I, I need so many repetitions. Oh but, yeah. But other yeah. times this feels like spiritual luge or something, or like someone pulled the drain, like the plug <laughs> the drain, and it's going around, and it's like, oh my god, it's so fast. Luge, <laughs> I love that. It's, I know, like <laughs> you're hauling ass on this ice sled, and there's nothing holding you. You're like, oh my god. Every time I see the luge, the Olympics, it reminds me of like. Salmon, you know, the little fillets of salmon that you cook that are cut with the two little legs and the, and the slice. It just looks like salmon going really fast down the <laughs> yes. ice. <laughs> yes. Now I have got an image for the, for that every time that comes yeah, on. The- yeah, I don't, I, I might apologize for that. <laughs> That's but, but also in the going slow, we called it the SLG group, um, slow learners group, uh, there is something about the difference of being active versus being reactive. And when you go fast, you can be extremely reactive to things. Uh And when you go slow, you're actually being more genuinely active. That's true. Very, that's a wonderful insight. Yeah. And, and, you know, reactive to me also implies doing something again. You're, you're reacting from the past, mm-hmm. whereas active is coming from source and moving forward without all the other stuff from the past, making you do it in the same old way. Yeah, yeah. I, as you're saying that, I was, I was thinking uh, the Courses Access asks us, it, I would seem, to be proactive in bringing all of our grievances and our issues and all the the yada yada stuff that <laughs> clutters up our mind yeah. to the altar of you know Holy Spirit's uh, thought system and said let's take let's look at all this together and then you know the habitual practice of that um, really you know takes 
a lot of practice. As you're saying, the slow learners group, I, with a smile on my face, I was thinking, well, isn't that true of about 8 billion of us, give or take, <laughs> in, in one way or another? I mean, because we, we all think we're here. We all think, you know, this world that we made up is the real deal. And, um, you know, the course is pure non-dual metaphysics keeps reminding us, well, what if, what if that never happened? Then we actually have a real basis for for forgiveness, you know, if, if that's the case. Huh? Very true. Yeah. You know, I should probably back up here and just kind of give the listeners kind of the theme of this podcast. So it's a little different since Bruce has been on the podcast before. Um, and I'll link in the show notes the episode, the other episode that Bruce was on that we talked about, uh, where it's his background and different things about Bruce. But today we thought that we would just discuss ahas, ahas on the journey. Um, of a course student, just things that, you know, Bruce, if Bruce in the future could write notes to himself and say, I want Bruce in the past to just have this notebook of all my course ahas. Um, so he can just have them earlier and, uh, you know, kind of <laughs> get out of the slow, slow, slow learners group and into the luge group. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course, one of the ahas is again, you know, to, by going slow to go fast is like, just stopping. In fact, you know, that reminds me, actually, a, a dear friend of ours who lives up the hill came over for the holidays. And one evening he was saying, oh, there's this game on TV, a football game I want to watch. And I, I, you know, sports and me are like, you know, lesson number two, you know, uh, <laughs> given everything, all the meaning he has for me. And I'm, I, I just have never been a big, big sports fan. But but so I thought, oh, sure, let's turn on, the, turn on the game. And then I was noticing, I was just thinking of the symbolism of when they do the freeze frames. During this football game, you know, where they, you know, you see one frame and then it pauses a second, another frame, and you can see right where the football is either caught or fumbled or whatever. And, and you, you really get the, you know, the clear details. And I was thinking, we kind of need to do that with our mind is just kind of notice in that split second when we decide I'm going to react to the setup that I made by choosing the ego. And now I'm going to choose to be upset. <laughs> Wordplay intended there. Um, if I can just kind of catch that and slow it down and just say, ah, there's the freeze frame where I've switched from the um, the, the the neutral state, which is uh, what the Holy Spirit sees as nothing happened, to one where oh that happened and now I'm I'm the hero of the dream and I need to to you know re react to that <laughs> and and make make a, a big deal. Uh, on one level or another, maybe not physically or behaviorally, but but if, even if I just notice it and um, allow the, myself to be upset by something that I made up in the first place, you know, that's I think that part of that habitual mind training that uh, you know is that Olympic level slow learners <laughs> group a little yeah. uh, practice of just saying I just need to keep watching over and over and over again a gazillion times until it just becomes automatic. Um, and and see how when I'm not choosing Holy Spirit's um, translation of everything, instead of uh, instead picking up on ego's misinterpretations of everything, I'm not at peace. And that that simple decision of am I peaceful or not is is so crucial, isn't it? It sure. is, and also you know the whole notion that we have of wanting things to go quickly to get to a goal. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and moving them, I, I would reframe it a little instead of the time conversation, although I, I will make a point about that as well, that the um, 
instead of necessarily calling it fast or slow, can we get there? Uh, the the course says it's the direct path up the mountain. Mm-hmm. Great path. So that seems to imply that it makes it quicker. Um, it's just more direct. Uh, there is an experience I had. I was married to someone who was incredibly slow and methodical, and I'm much more mercurial. <laughs> and when we would get ready to go on a trip, I could have us packed in 20 minutes in the morning while three hours later, he was still, I'd have him pack, me pack, everything. He was still getting out the door, reading the newspaper, having his coffee. And once it drove me so crazy and I turned to him and I said, my God, I could live several lives in the time it takes for you to live one. And he looked at me and he said, so what's so good about that? And he got me. It like, Bingo. Like, ah. <laughs> okay. Let me look at this differently. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yes. And yeah. so, so, you know, there is, I am from New York City. I have, you know, they call it a New York minute, uh, you know, all of that. Mm-hmm. I do move quickly. And that slowing down is really really helpful in time but it's only because within the slowing down i get to the direct path i keep remembering oh i don't need all of these extra accessories in my mind you know what is my my actual straight goal yeah. um, so it is that- between time and you know time and and what time serves us mm-hmm. giving us the time to get to where we want to go. I'm sorry, Matt, what were you saying? No, that was that's, that's such a funny story. I could like palpably relate to that because, like, you know, sometimes I want things to go faster too. It reminds me of that quote, uh, slow is smooth and smooth is fast, which kind of like, I guess is the close, closest thing to like a, a Japanese cone we have in the West. And I, I know that like the Navy SEALs adopted that and it kind of seems like it's uh it doesn't make sense. Like it's kind of saying slow is fast, but like in, in having intentionality behind uh, slowness, that actually is the fastest way as we're saying. Yeah. 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 And and what's the hurry if we're already home. Right. And that, that kind of reminds me of that wonderful line of, you know, only infinite patience produces immediate results or something. I think it's something like that pretty close in that somewhere in the course. <laughs> it's like, Oh yeah, I just need to slow it down recognize that if I'm anxious about an outcome, then I'm making the dream real again. I'm doing the whole level confusion number on myself. Yeah. 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 Well, so, so Bruce, what yeah. are all these aha moments? That's oh, well, I, I think, I think one of the things that, that uh, um, occurs to me, that's probably, maybe it's just sort of the general topic of, of learning to implicitly trust Holy spirit more and more and more. And, uh, you know, just, um, I was just kind of making some notes, you know, turning to our appointed friend, as the Course puts it, routinely and bringing any and all disturbing thoughts to the altar of our mind for review and ultimately vaporization. <laughs> well, yeah. wait, isn't that an oxymoron? How's that? Learning to implicitly trust Holy Spirit more and more and more. Like, yeah, well, it's, it's redundant, totally of course, fair. but. <laughs> Well, I mean, I know there's a little willingness, so you only need a little willingness, but right. 
trust goes, like, how do you only trust a little? It's like being a little pregnant. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and I think, I think, well, one way to look at it that I have come to realize is probably pretty, pretty true is that we're re- never really fully trusting until we're at the top of the ladder. You know, we're all, we're still just kind of dipping our toes in the, in the, in the ocean, you know, yeah. in a sense, Very but good. that's okay. But, but, you know, we, we get the, the immediate benefits of even just a little, you know, preliminary trust episodes it would seem and that and i think that's what motivates us to to you know up up our game a little more each each time yeah it reminds me of the image of one eye completely closed and the other just a teeny bit open like okay i'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll come that much with you thank you i think little leonard cohen song and a, a little crack and everything that lets the light in and just there's a little little sliver of light coming through no matter where, where yeah. we seem to be right Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, you know, that habit, I think, is um, uh, the repetition that's needed uh, is, I think, anyone who's, you know, studied the course for a few years or decades, you know, probably come to realizations like, you know, the ego isn't going to go away just from some weekend workshop kind of a thing. It's it's basically, you know, a lifetime process that that requires uh, a very gentle patient vigilance and discipline that uh, uh and 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 being willing to think of di- that a discipline is is a positive thing rather than a negative thing yeah that's when i um you know i i was never a great fan of discipline me neither and, <laughs> and, and at one point in meditation when i was told to to be disciplined about my work of the heart uh, I realized how much I loved um, the the play of the heart, you know, and I, I avoided calling it work of the heart. All of mm-hmm. all of that, I was so re- continuously rebellious internally. Um, but then, what was given to me, and it's not even true in the world of linguistics, but what was given to me was that when you are a, a disciple of something, you love it. It's effortless. You're a disciple. And the word disciple is in discipline, even though linguistically it it doesn't mean quite the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's in there. And so yeah. if I if I love something, it's an it's somewhat not the same efforting to be disciplined. Mm-hmm. It's devotional. Yep. Yep. And so yeah. It's an effortless effort, effort, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it just helped my mind put a, a different spin on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's there's an ease to it that is like when we really trust, um, we don't have to do. I, you know, the, another metaphor. I love metaphors, and there's so many in the course. And that one that has come to me recently that I think is I find helpful is it's sort of like um, well, a couple of them come to mind. I, I have a background in electronics, so I remember when I was learning about how transistors work is they take a little a little um, change in voltage or current, and then they magnify it to a much larger change in voltage or current. And um, that basically is kind of like what we do when we trust Holy Spirit and give just a little willingness. Uh, eventually, it becomes a, a much bigger willingness and an abundant willingness. And Spoiler alert! <laughs> Seems like <laughs> later in the course, it's, it does say, and this is what 
Gary Renard and his teachers pointed out to me at one point is like, you know, you, it's a bait and switch thing that, you know, the course says, you just need a little willingness. And then later on, it says, well, eventually you'll need abundant willingness. But I think that's, I think that's how it works is, you know, we realize I want to, I actually want to uh, give that at some point because I realize that's really what's going to make me happy. You know, why would anyone who's not a dyed-in-the-wool masochist want to make it hard for themselves? And I think that's usually because we're all slow learners. <laughs> we're all sort of, you know, just easing out of our masochistic habit of thinking and just saying, wait a minute, maybe I could see peace instead of this. Maybe I'm not upset for the reason I think. Maybe, maybe the, you know, uh, those wonderful lessons five and 34, if I just practice those consistently, I could actually go past the outer and inner shields of oblivion of the ego mind, you know, more often and find peace more frequently and just, wow, this is kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I mean, in talking about repetition, um, you know, I think as adults, repetition sounds like it's boring. You know, again, I got to do it again. I got to, I mean, athletes wouldn't say that at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would think, uh, you know, in muscle building and things like that, you need the repetitions. Right. But when you go to a child's mind, they love watching the same show over and over <laughs> and over. And you think, how can you be watching that again? Because each time they delight in that. Uh-huh. They're picking up different themes, but different information yes. from it. Yes. And, you know, I, I watched my son who just adored Scooby-Doo. He just ate up Scooby-Doo. And one night I came into him and he had these deep thoughts, especially around age four. And he said, mommy, what's the difference between um, love and hate on this planet? And I thought, well, there's a really good question. (laughs) So I I, I never like to answer his questions after hearing what he felt. And I said, well, what do you think? And I said, well, I think that love and hate dance together. Uh, and I just hope in my lifetime, dance sits, gets tired and sits out first. <laughs> and I said, where did you get that, honey? And he just looked at me and said, Scooby-Doo. <laughs> I watched every episode with him from then on, and I never <laughs> saw that Scooby-Doo. But I know he must have watched one enough and somehow found that in there. Oh, that's great. That's great. The repetition, repetition can bring you so many different layers of something. And like we keep reading the course over and over again. And since it's the living document that it is, it meets you on different levels. So Mm -hmm. repetition is never boring. It's like, oh my God, I just read that last week, but I'm seeing this today. And I saw that last week with it. And it's an extraordinary tool. Absolutely. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. I mean, that, yeah. And you go back and read something that you know was in there, you know, umpteen readings ago, which like, when did they add that? Yeah. <laughs> was that in the text or the workbook or the manual or one of the two supplements all this time? And I'm just now it's like, what was I sleepwalking through however many readings? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, each, each time we go around the, 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 the big thermonuclear reactor in the sky, you know, and another year goes by and we just like, Oh, wow. I have new experiences to apply this to. I have new, new insights. Um, even though they're they're all 
you know, part of the dream, but, you know, we, we need to bring every aspect of the dream ultimately until, you know, we generalize it and, and, and make it um, a consistent yeah. way of looking at things. Yeah. yeah. Well, one aha for me was that uh, in the text, chapter 17, the first time reading, be not concerned with anything except your willingness to have this be accomplished. He will accomplish it, not you. Yes. Thinking like, oh my gosh, wait, my part in this is, it seems like it's so big, but it's minuscule. It's like my, I just, I got to turn that willingness switch on. And sometimes it feels like a dial. Sometimes it feels like a switch, but it's just my choice to look at it with Holy Spirit instead of the ego. And when I do that, things happen that like the, the awakening process happens. And when I don't, it halts. And it's hard for me to accept that. That's all yeah. I have to do. <laughs> right? no. Our to part is so part. little, as the Course yeah. says, right? Yeah. And, and for a type A personality and overachiever, man, that's a hard one. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, 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 do it, a little. I don't have to overdo it again and again. <laughs> you know, they're in, in talking also about how the Course meets you or how you acknowledge what the Course actually is along the way. There's a quote that I always love from Mark Twain that said, um, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could <laughs> hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much he had learned in seven years. <laughs> That's and great. That's I great. feel like that as a course student. You know, it's yeah. like, wait, I, this isn't true. This, come on, you've, you've like put this line in. I agree with all these, but not that. And then seven years later, oh my God. <laughs> yep. Where'd that come from? Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> I, what, one of my favorite Mark Twain quotes is there's been a lot of tragedy in my life, and some of it actually happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Although, like, although the courses version I, I, I maintain would be, there seems to have been a lot of tragedy in my life, but none of it really happened. <laughs> and then there's my stepfather, whose favorite saying was, some of my greatest and fondest memories never happened. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm glad, Matt, Matt, I'm glad you uh, brought up again the uh, the, the, the will, little willingness, I can talk, uh, compared to the abundant willingness and the process by which Holy Spirit, you know, assists us. And the other metaphor I was going to use was in addition to, you know, the transistor amplifying signals was uh, if you ever watched an earth mover, you know, there's a guy sitting up in these, these giant machines in a little, a little air conditioned cabin and they've got a bunch of levers in front. In fact, I was talking to a guy at, uh, at an art show yesterday that my wife is uh, exhibiting in, and uh, he had worked one of these, you know, heavy equipment uh, things with the, the, the levers and the little knobs at the end of them. And you, you push and pull little levers and, you know, mountains get moved and this is the hydraulic system. So it's the, that does all the work, you know, that, and Holy Spirit, I think is kind of like that. You know, we, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We don't have to understand how hydraulics work or electricity for the other metaphor. We just have to know that if I trust that that system uh, far more reliable than any, any electrical or hydraulic system in this world, uh, but that Holy Spirit's thought system will provide the peace that we want and that's the outcome that we really want. It's like, we just have to trust that that works. And the hydraulics, if you will, or the, the, the amplification, pick your metaphor, 
will take care of the rest. And we don't need to understand all the, the inner workings and all the nerdy stuff behind the scenes of, of how that happens. So. That's a great, great metaphor. It is a great metaphor, except for one thing. Oh. <laughs> it will work whether we trust it or not. I mean, uh, yes, yes, there's yes. something going on yes. even in our in, in our own spiritual evolution, and I say evolution in a linear way, um, that's happening whether we trust it or not. The trust mm-hmm. only gets us in sync of starting to realize the plan and right. become aware of it. We, in fact, don't have to trust a thing. <laughs> it's just so much more fluid and easier mm-hmm. on us when we start to add trust into the equation. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, that earth mover, which I always love, I love the name of it. Um, the earth mover will work no matter what, but it really helps if you know how to work with it. Uh-huh. Otherwise, you know, you might be moved from here to God knows where underground <laughs> or before you might be, you know, consciously ready. Um, but it's partnering uh, with that. And I think that's the role. That's the the true, you know, even talk about metaphor. You know, it, the Course says we walk into the arc of peace two by two. That's not necessarily meaning two humans by two humans. It's mm-hmm. meaning in partnership and relationship with the holy spirit exactly yeah could yeah another i couldn't agree more God. yeah because it, it that's really in fact I, I love how ken wapnick says you know there's really only two relationships it's our relationship with the ego which is a a nothing relationship really and our relationship with the holy spirit and that's the only real relationship right that's the the only real alternative yeah yeah Bruce, are you? Do you ever get into a, like a disagreement or get into a, like a bad mood or and then and then <laughs> as as it's forming that thought formation's happening, you're thinking with the course and with Holy Spirit and saying, "I'm projecting on this person," or my unconscious guilt's coming up. Do you have those experiences like as they're originating, you're seeing it with like your the Holy Spirit goggles? Oh yeah, yeah, and I think that's a hugely helpful and, and important topic. And thanks for for suggesting that, Matt, because it seems like that really is you know where the rubber meets the road on the on in the course's practice, isn't it? Because every time we can catch ourselves, and maybe maybe that freeze frame metaphor you know could could apply here. And I I, I find it helpful just if you can catch yourself. Mid thought, even before words come out of your mouth, which you want to take back usually later, uh, if you can just catch yourself, and say, "I'm making a big deal out of nothing," you know, as Shakespeare said, uh, "Much ado about nothing," and and the uh, you know, the, look, noticing the big dealness, if you will. Uh, actually, a year or two ago, uh, Nancy, my wife, and I were watching. We thought we'd do a little Bill Murray uh, semi binge, and so we watched um, a special about his life and and uh and it was brought out how there it was actually in two movies because we were watching uh meatballs and also uh, uh the remake of the, the what, 30s 40s classic the razor's edge and in both those movies he's he says it just doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't matter it just doesn't matter it just doesn't matter <laughs> 
<laughs> it just doesn't matter. And and the meatballs when he's he's coaching this little league uh, team, and they just lost yet another you know abysmal loss to the to the other little league team or whatever it is, and and uh, he's trying to motivate them to say you know it's not a big deal you know, and and I, I think if we can just take that astronaut's perspective and apply it to our our everyday minutia and and you know whether it's arranging the the proper way to arrange food in the refrigerator or, or silverware in the dishwasher or you know all the all the trivia stuff that we we get find ourselves <laughs> making big deals about uh, so this week's uh, trivia du jour or or this month i suppose is is what do we move and what do we we uh give away to charity and and uh and what do we leave with the people who are buying our house as we prepare to move from Oregon to Arizona. <laughs> but yeah. but just, just just noticing every little thing that that I'm tempted to make a big deal out of. It's like in the cosmic scheme of things, is this worth my peace? I think the course asks us that at every turn, it would seem. Yeah. I, I have a kind of sometimes it's almost feels like a problem because when I'm there are times, this isn't all the time, but there are times, especially in relationships with a partner, where I'm in the middle of an argument, defending my position, <laughs> that, where where it comes in, the awareness comes in uh-huh. of how ridiculous it is. But then <laughs> I get the next awareness of, does he or she, whoever I'm, I'm in a, you know, argument with realize how ridiculous this is too are we both <laughs> realizing how absurd this is and just playing off each other because the energy is feels like it's fun in a sparring ridiculous way right. and i start to laugh and the other person looks at me like i'm crazy mm-hmm. um because it just seems so funny and then I'm truly looked at as crazy. Like, would anything you just say mean something to you? And it's like, really? No. Um, well, how do we resolve this? And it's like, just laughing, maybe. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it is, it's, it, I say problem because it can be crazy making to sure. another person to oh, experience, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, being in the middle where you even have some very good lawyerly arguments that you're <laughs> you're supporting and then it just becomes it melts mm-hmm. and you're in this moment where it just melts because it's downright silly but yeah. there are other times in my life where i have gotten to that point but i don't laugh aloud and keep it going just because it's going and there's I inertia yeah there's inertia uh, uh, uh-huh. and i don't want them to feel that i'm not taking what they say as important <laughs> Let's finish you know? the scene. Yeah, exactly. Scene. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And yeah. and I navigate it differently instead of becoming all holy or laughing at them, which they feel I'm doing when it's not at them. It's at this. Um, I just let the scene finish, but I have a very different um, energy in my side of it. Yeah. And it becomes much more listening than than sparring. That, that kind of reminds me of the the, uh, um, the the cliche of is this a private fight or can anyone join kind of thing and how, how quickly everyone's ego wants to jump in and and keep the fight going and then, and then another scene that from the, of the wonderful film the life of Brian the Monty Python troupe from years back uh-huh. where I, I was recalling 
as you were saying that, Tim, how there's one scene where Brian has, you know, inadvertently uh, attracted this throng of followers and he has no interest in that whatsoever, and they're, but they're chasing after him. So he's trying to get away. Or, or maybe it's the maybe it's the Romans at this point. Anyway, I can't. It's been a while since I've seen. It. But anyway, he's got he's trying to trying to escape from these people who are following him, and and uh, so he he goes into the marketplace and he's trying to get something for a disguise and and he uh, he picks up a gourd for some reason. Anyway, and uh, and the vendor um, says he asks the vendor how much for the gourd and he says ten, and then. He says, uh, and then he starts to hand him a you know, 10 and he says, no, 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 you're supposed to haggle 10 for that. You must be mad. Come on, come on, haggle with me, you know, and, but it's that's kind of, you know, we, we want to haggle. We I mean, because that's, that's what everyone's reality is established with. And if, and we start questioning the reality is like, Ooh, what kind of drug am I on? No, nobody wants their, their reality pulled out from underneath their feet. You know, it's like, what, what, what kind of holographic, you know, trickster are you to, to, you know. Ruin well, my precious illusion here. It's true, but there's another aspect of that. Because <laughs> I lived in Nepal and oh, yeah. the Nepalese love to bargain because it's their <laughs> way of playing in love. Exactly. It's yeah, exactly. Just the play and they love the play. Uh-huh. I, I was there years and years and years ago where there hadn't been many tourists. Mm-hmm. And then I've watched them over the years. And way back when they would just kind of do what you call the haggling, the back and forth, but with joy and uh-huh. laugh. And yeah. okay, let's settle on this price. Uh-huh. Right. But as the years went by, they got more and more travelers. And I speak Nepali. So I, I was in. a a little shop where um, a a German man came in and the Nepali person made it like 30 times more than it was actually worth the object. (laughs) I don't remember what it was. 30 times more. And the German was outraged. And it's like, I did, you know, going on and on and on. And the Nepali was just kind of going on and laughing (laughs) and laughing until he got down to the price that you'd normally get. And the German Uh went out and I said, wow, I've not seen that happen, the manipulation in that big. He says, oh, Germans and Americans, they really, you have to start them big so they feel like they get a good deal. <laughs> like, like years earlier, they wouldn't have said Americans to that. They would have just said, you know, they say Australians, they don't mind. They just like the play. And they would tell me each nationality that they generalized of wow. how to do that because they love the game of it and they were mm-hmm. so aware and they loved when you got it and you mm. could play with them in it and they they love it so sometimes when i was in deployment everything was so inexpensive compared to the dollar mm-hmm. this was 1978 that i would bargain with someone and then i'd give them whatever we decided but twice as much <laughs> and their laughter it wasn't like oh no you can't or anything they just would have tears in their eyes of laughing so hard it's like that was fun, wasn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. to spar, it's not always such a bad thing. Oh it's no, no. How both yeah. people come at it, like sports yeah. and competition, yeah. doesn't have to be a bad thing. It can literally be a way of relating in love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you get to Arjuna and the Bhagavad Gita, who you know had to go to war against his relatives and people he'd known since they were born and he was born, and the learning of what was necessary to do and how to see it with love. Um, it was the whole Bhagavad Gita right there. Um, how do you participate in this illusion 
in all of its forms, but coming from the center of love. And I think that's what the Course teaches as well. Yeah, because it's always about the form and never the content. You know, the the form may be the haggling or the or yes. the negotiation or the warfare, even. Uh, but but if if the content is coming from a shared identity and a shared interest, that's that's yeah. huge, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's relating and relating in love. Yep. yep. And I think you know, I think there are people who. Um, who let's say have woken up in this dream and are in the happy dream and they really have woken up. It doesn't mean that the illusion is not still here or that they've evanesced and they are not still here necessarily. Mm-hmm. They're here in the happy dream of that love. Yeah. Yeah. Since, since you're bringing up dreams, I, um, uh, in a couple of days now I'll attend the last of about 10 classes, a local dreamer researcher has been having a class in dreams. And I really like the, his approach. He, he starts out by saying, well, what if every person in your dreams is really a part of yourself? I think, hmm, where have I heard that before? <laughs> and, then, and then he says, well, what if your daytime dreams and your nighttime dreams really are equally amenable to, to look, you know, review and, and interpretation and, and learning some wisdom from? It's like, hmm, where have I heard that from before? It's like, <laughs> all, your, all your time is spent in, in dreaming. All your waking dreams and your nighttime dreams are, are the same. Basically. And then the other thing was, that we have help all the time to look at our dreams and, and uh, you know, the, the wisdom inside our mind to, to uh, make sense of, of that. Well, cue the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so anyway, it's been an interesting process of, of bringing both nighttime and daytime dreams to this classroom and, and uh-huh. sharing with everyone, uh, you know, what I've, found helpful in the course without really using course languages, you know, much, using it as little as possible to, to not, you know, try to impose that on anyone. But uh, uh, it's just, you know, the idea that, that the, uh, the dream is really, um, the, and the happy dream, interesting you mentioned happy dream because I was when about, oh, I guess 11 years ago now coming up, uh, I put out a, a book and the subtitle was forgiving part of it was forgiving the dream of separation initially and i realized that's not going to work because if i forgive the dream i still need to forgive myself so i so and then it's like this light bulb moment like it became forgiving the dreamer of separation and that makes all the difference i guess that could be one of the ahas (laughs) is so i need to keep forgiving the dreamer which is my self-choosing um you know, in, in my decision-making mind, choosing the ego for something that has never, ever worked for me. You know, if, if I look at the track record of of that insane thought system, it's like it's it's a fat zero, even though it co-ops just about everything it can say, oh, no, I did that. That little bit of peace or happiness you had, that was me, says ego, chiming in. <laughs> right? No, no, yeah. not really. Try again. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. Back you know, to zero. <laughs> um, I, I had a lot of... Um, I guess what they would be called referred to as lucid dreams in my life. And it came to a point where I knew what triggered them. I have had a a trigger thing. If I couldn't remember in a dream how I got from one place to the next, I would know I was dreaming. Uh And so then I get to do anything I wanted. I could fly. I could visit anyone. I could play. I could manifest anything I wanted. And it was really fun for, you know, 
I would call it a recurring dream. I couldn't do it necessarily consciously, but half a dozen times a year, I would have these dreams. But it got to a place where bizarrely, in a way, unwecedent. Like, I've done everything. I've invented everything. I've gotten everything I've wanted. I fly. <laughs> I've gone to the water. And it was this profound desire to awake from all dreams. Mm-hmm. And and a deeper anchoring to a spiritual path of, I, I don't need to create anymore. I want to be that which we are, that love. And I haven't really gotten one since. Hmm. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's just, Did you hear me nodding in agreement? <laughs> <laughs> I heard the wow, which, which also yeah, brings yeah. up these aha moments. I love that the word ha is in them because <laughs> I do feel like laughter is what brings us to so much of the remembrance of what spirit truly is. Yes. In that, you know, I've said this before and I will say it forever. Bruce, I don't know if you've heard me say this, but you know what the one commonality is in laughter in everyone in the world? Um, Tell me, (laughs) please. At the end of a laugh, everyone takes a breath and it's a sigh. It's it's not a sigh, depressed sigh, but Uh, in that breath of after the laugh, it's the release uh and the relief. There we are. Yeah, yeah, where we are. The release is huge, isn't it? I I I like to think of the three steps of forgiveness as is the three R's, and the first being reveal to myself when I'm projecting ego onto the world and, and seeing everyone and everything is, is maybe not consciously most of the time, but, but when I catch myself seeing, well, this, this person or this group of persons or this situation or this weather, or this financial situation, this, you know, political situation, what fill in all the blanks all, with however you like. If I can remember that that's not the cause of my upset, then I'm revealing or, or maybe reframing uh, the, uh, the identity that I've made to be a constraining one that says I'm the separate thing and these other separate things are doing stuff to me instead of it's coming from me. And then, then I have to um, release myself also from that unconscious unfounded guilt and see that, that what's really going on is I'm incriminating myself by choosing the wrong thought system. And that hasn't worked for me either. So I need Holy Spirit's help, you know, every step of the way in that process. But that release then is, um, you know, the second step. And I think that's where um, you know, Ken Wapnick talks about this at great length in his discussion of Lesson 136 of the inner and outer shields of oblivion and how the, the inner shield is, wow, I don't, I don't believe as an ego, I'm, I'm worth the 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 persistence and the practice and the maintaining the habit of forgiveness. But once I realized that, well, what if we're, if we're all worthy of that, then we can release the craziness of the ego at some point at top of the ladder, I suppose. And then, then uh, the replacement is the third step. And, and um, was it lesson 23? I think it is, is it has the whole, all three steps in one line <laughs> toward the bottom of the page there. Is it, and, and then it's replaced. The, the replacement is automatic. We don't have to make our identity. Uh, we were created 
completely innocent. And when I could remember to see that in everyone, that that's something that I was thinking about what we might cover today. And I, I was kind of flashing on oh, a decade or so ago when I was really starting to get back into the course. Uh, well, more than that, actually. But uh, I was, I remember listening to Gary Renard's fearless love audio. And I was, I'm, I was picturing walking along Siskiyou Boulevard in, in Ashland, Oregon, where I lived at the time, and had my little Bluetooth headset on. And he said, um, try as, as an exercise, seeing not part of spirit, but all of spirit in each person you meet, which is to me the equivalent of saying, if I can see complete innocence, complete holiness, complete perfection, but also the, the total inclusion of of everyone's identity is is the whole is in every single part. If I can remember that consistently more and more often, maybe not um, the the total cosmic oneness, but just even the sameness is I think is really a helpful uh, idea. If, if I can just see that we, we all have the same decision making mind, the same ego, the same Holy Spirit, and we're all fighting the same hard battle of of you know learning to see that. That the ego hasn't ever worked, <laughs> and just and just like you say, Tim, laugh at it. Just say, "How silly is that? How how crazy? How absolutely crazy it is that I keep beating this dead horse of a thought system that is truly nothing, but I've made into a big something. Yeah, this holographic movie of staggering colossal proportions and production values. You know, wow, it's true, and, yeah. and that's why I always say, you know, it's always a joke and the joke is always on us yeah yeah that's the funniest part so that even you know as we're talking about you within this podcast of the aha moments right the the release that you get after the ha 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 is ah yeah and together they make an awakening exactly I'm reminded of the section uh, shadows of the past and the text chapter 17 uh-huh. is uh section the the line that says forgiveness is a selective remembering based not on your selection. Oh, and I'm thinking yeah. now you're going through the moving process which I've done gosh it seems like an endless number of times and as you go through you look at all these things all this stuff and you say do I need this? Do I not need this? Is this part of my identity of myself that I need to keep? Mm-hmm. And all these thoughts come up. And I'm wondering, as you go through that process, is some of that coming up at all? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And as you're saying that, I was I was reflecting on, uh, I've been doing that uh, actually for a couple of years now. I, I had a lot of my stuff, since we were moving around a lot, my wife and I uh, conveniently stored some of the things we didn't want to move as often at my mom's house in, in Northern California. And uh, she she passed uh, a year and a half ago, actually within a week of when uh, your mom passed, uh, Tam. Right, um, and uh, that that was, I, and I'm profoundly grateful to both Judy and my mom because they were both instrumental for me in 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 uh, discovering the course. Uh, your mom for publishing it, of course, and then my mom for getting interested in metaphysics when I was a teenager and having this immense library. Well, part of that library was stored of, of the <laughs> in, in my mom's house in Livermore, and we, we went through that a year and a half ago. And I remember one evening a a, a young man from from the Peninsula drove over in a, in a minivan and and loaded up seventeen grocery bags and uh, office boxes heaping full of metaphysical books and I was thinking well 
am I really attached to all those books or, or is it the ideas in them that's important, you know? And, and then I've been doing the same thing, you know, more recently, uh, just looking at all the things that, well, no, it's really, it's really the ideas that are important. And, uh, and, you know, scanning a few pages here and there of things that I want to keep, but uh, uh, like you say, Matt, it's like, is it, is it, is it the content or the form, you know? And, right. Uh, yeah. Even the attachment word is like, it's like a Siamese twin that's fused to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it's, I think it's really helpful to, to not condemn ourselves when we realize, well, I have, I'm not quite ready to give that up yet, but yeah. that's okay. You know? But just the fact that we're noticing it and without condemnation, I think that's huge. And that's, that's another thing that uh, there's so many wonderful things that, that uh, Ken Wapnick, I think, has helped me with. And one of them is, is to, to, to look without condemnation is is at the ego is just such an important aha for me and and just just noticing every time i can catch myself um going down that that mental path and see that it has never had any lasting adverse effect on my peace of mind because in any instant i can choose against that not not in a, a fighting way I guess that could be another aha right in itself too, is just noticing if I'm picking up the sword again, um, you know, I'm back in ego's turf. It's like, oh, I can drop the sword metaphorically. And, and at the beginning of uh, chapter 30 and the rules for decision, this is you, that one line I've got. So I have a line is probably one through the paper, you know, do not fight yourself. I think that's huge. Uh, and just <laughs> noticing how we, how we can express that or, 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 uh, you know the, all the countless variations of fighting ourselves, and sometimes it seems to take the form of someone else, you know, fighting as we were talking about earlier and having arguments and whatnot. Oh. Now, now, I'm, I'm going to flash to another another Monty Python skit that maybe some of you have seen. Is that the the the, uh, the guy who is in this hall and, and knocks on the doors and and he says, uh, and the guy starts arguing, you know, starts berating him, and 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 he says. Uh, uh, after a couple of minutes, this is, wait a minute, I came here for an argument. Oh, no, that's down the hall. You need to go a couple more doors for an argument. Remember that skit? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I do. But, but um, you know, we, we all sign up for all these, these you know, abuses, and, and we've forgotten that we've, you know, initialized the screenplay on every line. Of, you know, every, every page has got our signature there, you know, metaphorically, right? Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> I think there was um, a Steve Martin movie. I don't know if it was jerk or what it was where he he says i can i can leave anything i want from my house i can leave everything and he starts to walk out the door he goes except for the ashtray and he goes and except for that and except for <laughs> and the next thing you see yes, him yes. like literally hauling all of his he's a toilet uh-huh. yeah he's a toilet too he's pulling with him yeah yeah and it, it just it speaks to me so yes, yes. i can't oh, yeah, stand yeah. it but there is the you know the marie kondo book the japanese art of decluttering and organizing became extremely popular so popular a few years ago that goodwill was no longer in marin county taking anyone's stuff because oh i thought she was no longer taking any any copies of her book <laughs> yeah yeah well no that that would be a two probably but it, but so of course you know the book was given to me because i'm a clutter hound and the the main message was look in your closet see what you don't love anymore uh-huh. and it was so annoying i go in my closet i make an article of clothing i remember its story since I was thirteen, uh, and I found that my best friend at thirteen gave me, you know, and I was like, "I love you. I still love you. I uh, love everything. Everything." Yeah, like, yeah. 
this is real. I have to find another way. So, so truly, um, I have an allergic reaction to garlic in which it makes me very tense. Like I've had 50 cups of coffee and it gets me kind of irritable and angry. So I had a bunch of garlic and went into my closet and I could only like, I don't like you anymore. I don't like you and you. But I couldn't love approach. It was like, everyone's welcome in my closet, even if I can't use a hanger anymore because everything's so jammed in. And I truly had to go to a different personality type to extricate myself from the love I was feeling from everything. Well, that sounds real interesting, Tam. I, I'm not sure if I'm going to suggest to my wife that we eat garlic before we go through the through the garage one more time. But uh, and but cups like, of coffee. And cups of, yeah. coffee with it. <laughs> well, yeah. that would work for me only because I'm not a coffee drinker. I love the smell, but uh, uh-huh. hard the taste. So, yeah, yeah. Well, whatever whatever can get you annoyed or anxious um, <laughs> was what was like a bizarre thing of what worked for me. Um, and, and it's, you know, not really a coarse way of approaching, <laughs> but in another way it is, it's using something in a very loving, accepting way. Yes. You know? yes. Okay. Well, I'm I- going to let that demon come into me so that I can actually move through some stuff here. Well, I think I think that's a hugely important aha and, and it really a, a very important part of the course is noticing every specific thing that seems yeah. to be an issue or a grievance or a complaint or an annoyance. You know, uh, I like to say from quasars to, to quarks, uh, you know, uh, and if it, everything in between is, is suitable practice for our forgiveness classroom. You know, it's, it's everything that that seems to be uh, a cause of upset, we need to look at and see the setup of the upset that uh, we made up, maybe yeah. not consciously, but just say, wow, I I must have been, you know, complicit in this because it's in my mind and yeah. therefore it's my classroom, you know. And, and that is such a wonderful level of the course to point out. Oh yeah. And and be patient with ourselves again. I think I think that gentle patient vigilance is so important because it's you know it's just that that habitual the happy habit of of looking at things with Holy Spirit, look asking our appointed friend to 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 look at it with us. And if we if we keep it in the closet, you know, sometimes literally sometimes yeah. Often yeah. meta- always metaphorically, you know, it's it's going to seem like a dark, you know, uh, daunting kind of thing. But, you know, once you pull out one thing at a time, and that's all the course really asks us to do, it seems, is just, just noticing what am I seem to be upset by this moment and just say, ask Holy Spirit, okay, let's look at this together. Together we hold the lamp that will dispel the darkness, right? So mm-hmm. If I can just remember to do that consistently. Uh there's no one thing that's really that daunting, you know, at no single instant does the body exist at all. And so is no, at no single instant does uh, a problem exist other than whatever we made up. Right? All circle to going back to the patience and the slowing down. Yeah. Really understand an instant, you know, that it's all in that instant and in the silence just to bring it. So that's that's where it shines through. Yeah, yeah. There's no there's no neutral beliefs that um you know, I, I, I 
just another quote that I find really helpful. You know, to learn this course requires willingness to question every value that you hold. Not one can be kept hidden and obscure, but it will jeopardize your learning. No belief is neutral. But that that doesn't mean that we need to to do everything at once. We just have to, you know, like you say, slow it down and just say, oh, I'll, uh, if I can just look at this whatever this is, and this is a good placeholder word. It's interesting to notice how often the word this appears in the course because it it asks us to generalize everything. So it uses a very general word like this in a lot of places. <laughs> uh, and just I've, I've, this, you know, I'm, I'm going to do, I've got the web edition in front of me. I'm just going to do real quick a search on this because it's- and this. I am too. I, I, I love the yes. web edition. I, I, I know I, I, I'm- 4,612 times. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Isn't that right. great? So there's Nothing. a lot of this. So yeah. I think the way, the way the course generalizes and helps us to gradually ease into generalizing more and more and more is to just notice every little this, every little that, every little specific, right? That's yeah. where the aha moments live. Yeah. Yeah. Right where they live. And if you're so moving so quickly, you don't notice that they're mm-hmm. happening every single instant. In fact, um, years ago, my wife and I had a group called New Frontiers of the Gold Country. We lived in Northern California, and we cloned a group in the Bay Area. And there was a lady who came and gave to one of the talks that we had over a nine-year period named Robin McWayne. And she had been studying quantum physics. <clears throat> and she pointed out, in, in a way that really stuck with me, that you know, what if this the, uh, uh, this physics constant called the Planck time constant, there's also a space constant that's this infinitesimally tiny uh, measurement of space, but there's this Planck time constant that's like 10 to the minus 44th seconds, which is like an unimaginably fast, uh, you know, little, you know, blip on the cosmic radar, the, the tiny tick of time, if you will. <laughs> but what if, what if we're actually fabricating the entire cosmos every second, 10 to the 44th times. We're, we're stroboscopically making a holographic movie of, you know, astronomic and you might say gastronomic proportions. It's <laughs> so staggering, we can't even imagine. But it's, it's a freaking movie, you know, and, and, and it, it happens so quickly that we don't even notice it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, it becomes movement, a blur of movement. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I have to say something because I know our time is getting close. Oh, okay. um, but I was not obviously in the webinar with you and Matt and my mother. And I want to know what your comfort food is. Oh, oh right. did we ask okay. that question back then? I don't know if we did. I don't no, know. I don't think you did. I don't think you did. I think you so did. This would be a good opportunity to ask. Uh, yeah, what, what I is can't. Your comfort food, Bruce? I can't leave without that. Well, actually, I have multiple answers, but the first one is um, uh, we had dinner with some friends up the hill um, a couple evenings ago, and Nancy made her wonderful <clears throat> dairy-free, gluten-free chocolate cake, which is actually better than any other chocolate cake I've ever had. And there's and there was a few pieces left over. We still have a couple more to finish tonight. It's really good. However, on an everyday basis, I make these. Another recipe that I found somewhere: um, the uh, oatmeal banana. Um, uh, I call them cookies, but but Nancy said you can't call those cookies. But in, <laughs> anyway, there's. Um, they're they're disgustingly healthy healthy and anyway those those cookies um 
I, I have a recipe on, on brucerawls.com. And then the last, the last thing I will say is that uh, I do also make a tortilla soup that my sister suggested. Uh, and um, that is, is quite, quite fun. And it's also, also on the website. And uh, so I'll just, you got a few, that, he's got a few quick draw ready. That's great. Yeah, Bruce. really. Wait, wait. What's, just give me a, a little bit of what's in the tortilla soup besides tortillas. Oh, uh, just kind of good, just sauteed garlic and onions, and then you put a little uh, cilantro, cumin, and uh, epazote if you've got it. And then uh, uh, it's mostly just you know, uh, let's say a couple a couple of cartons of either um, uh, vegetable broth or or chicken broth. And then uh, uh, sauteed uh, bell pepper and tomatoes and uh, all, you know, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. So, you put yeah. avocados uh, in it. Oh, avocados, of course. Yes. How could I leave avocados? Sour cream? Yeah. Uh, it's, sour cream is optional. You know, you can a dollop. put a dollop on top of that. Dollop. Or yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yum. Yeah. Yum, yum. But yeah, wow. I, I, like, I like a lot of different kinds of things. So, anyway. Okay. Well, yeah. Bruce, thank well, you. Thanks so much for coming on and oh, thank you again, again for I having like me. This and- was a course in miracles, course in miracles campfire. We were just <laughs> chatting, a lot of fun. Oh, and- way fun! Yeah, thank wait, you so wait, much. Wait, if that's it, I'm sorry. We just have to bring in some marshmallows and s'mores. So I hope we have oh, more. I hope we have s'more of these with you, Bruce. <laughs> that yeah. sounds great to me. And, okay. and Bruce, you mentioned your website. Is there any place else you want to point listeners? Oh, uh, well, in addition to a, a personal blog, which I hardly do much with, brucerolls.com, the, the main uh, site that would be of interest to core students is acimblog.com. And I okay. try to post something at least of interest once a month there. And my, the most recent topic, I think I had a little fun with this AI or artificial intelligence, which of course is everyone's ego is the, the big AI. <laughs> right. Artificial being the keyword. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, one oh, question oh. we forgot to ask you at the beginning of the episode, which a lot of listeners are curious about, where in the world are you, Bruce? Currently in Yahats, Oregon, but soon we'll be moving to Green Valley, Arizona. Wow. <laughs> Big change. Dualistic yeah. change there. Yeah. Well, yeah. good luck with your move. Thanks so much for coming on Miracle Voices. Oh, thank and you, your Matt and Tam. Voice. And, and, and thanks to everyone at the foundation. On. Yeah. Oh, yes. Much appreciated. Thanks so much for listening today. Please subscribe to Miracle Voices by hitting the subscribe button on your podcast app. If you are enjoying these conversations, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever podcast app you use. And lastly, please visit us at miraclevoices.org and join our newsletter so we can stay connected. Until the next podcast, I want to leave you with my favorite course quote, when you want only love, you will see nothing else. Nothing else.